I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven Now forget what he said and listen to me What you really wanna do is stack those RBs You can be Linda, just let me be frank Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank One says it's awful, the other says it's great It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in episode 82 of the Dynasty Debates, the best kept secret in all of Dynasty Fantasy Football. I am your humble host, as always, Evan Brown, the humblest host in the biz, some say. You can catch me on Twitter at FFEvolution. You can follow the show at Dynasty Debates, or you can drop me an email, dynastydebates at gmail.com. There are many ways to get in touch if you have any questions, comments, feedback about the show. And if you don't mind, Take 30 to 45 seconds of your super busy lives, drop in and give a rating and a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. It really helps the show and I really appreciate it. Guys, today is a first for Dynasty Debates. I have not only an incredible guest, that is not a first, but it's his birthday. So that blows my mind. I did not. So before anyone judges me, I did not realize his birthday. I was not asking him to give up his birthday to record, but it is the one and only Matt Donnelly at Matt Donnelly FF contributor at Fantasy Points Live. And he is the head honcho at the Vipers Network as well. Matt, how are you? And happy birthday, sir. Hey, you know what? I'm just just consider me the humblest guest out there right now. I mean, the humblest guest meets the humblest host. This should be a very humbling show altogether. Now, don't worry about the birthday thing, because if anyone knows, knows. I actually recorded it on mine and my wife's anniversary, too. So, I mean, I'm probably going to get myself in trouble one way or the other. So, doing something on my birthday, not a big deal. <laughs> Matt is, um, first and foremost, a Canadian, as you can probably pick up from the accent there. So, we'll not hold that against him, eh? But he is an absolute great guy. He is one of the most prolific content creators out there it, it blows my mind the amount of stuff he, this guy has i'm not even kidding you i'm not being i'm not joking he has like nine or is it nine or ten kids like how many kids do you have you know what it all depends on the day of the week i mean i really just do a <laughs> head count as they come in sometimes they're my kids sometimes they're not i don't know now we do have nine children of our own we also have foster kids i mean it's it is quite something here like my wife my wife she's the amazing one if it wasn't for her we probably wouldn't have as many kids as we do but yeah it's we have, and they range all the way from 25 all the way down to eight. There's grandkids kind of mixed in that too. So there's always children in this home. Man, it is like, it's like a proper tribe. It's like the Donnelly tribe. You guys have your own little like ranch or something out there. You should see, I wish we did have video because this is a beautiful man with a beautiful cowboy hat and a, and a gorgeous mustache. So absolutely done up for his birthday. And also not only is it a birthday, I believe was it today that you launched your Patreon or is it just in the last couple of days? Uh, it's been the last couple of days here. June 1st is kind of when we really put it out there because we, we kind of launched it end of May, but as you know how Patreon works, they automatically charge you. So people started getting in on that Patreon on like May 28th and then they get, they would get double charged on June 1st. So we're like, we're gonna do the soft. We'll do a little bit of a soft kind of opening with that. And then we're going to hit it with a uh, nice little hard opening here, June 1st. So everyone can get the best uh, bang for their buck there. And then obviously next week, Monday, we're actually launching our first, uh, vipers discord channel there so i welcome the entire community to come in there and socialize and have a good time there and kind of you know get to know one another a little bit more man it is all going on and um yeah i mean the patreon so birthday week patreon get launched it's all happening like i said guys honestly genuinely it's unbelievable the amount of content that matt puts out like videos podcasts 
like written work. It's, it's insane. I mean, obviously he's working on his birthday. You can tell this guy's got like a work ethic, like no one else. If you're looking for a Patreon to get involved with, definitely, definitely hit his up. Um, you can go catch him on Twitter. He's got the link in his bio at Matt Donnelly FF. Super great guy. Um, I'm super glad that we've been able to have this time to, to hang out. Finally, I've been meaning to have you on the show for ages and it just didn't work out because with you being all the way over in Canada, obviously there's a time difference, things like that. But thankfully you were able to carve out some time on your birthday. <laughs> Still just blows my mind. Apologies if I bring that up about 17 times in the show. But today what we're doing is we're going to talk about trades, which we do a lot of on this show, but we're actually going to do it slightly different because what I thought would be really fun to do is have Matt on the show and look back at some trades that we made historically. So maybe it was last off season, maybe it was last year during the season, um, and just sort of reflect on them because I think well, there's a couple of reasons why. I think that a lot of people who are newer to Dynasty, one of the things they freak out about is the trading because they know that like, well, once I trade that player, that's gone, it's done, it's over. It's got like more long-term implications and they can sometimes freak out or stress out about, you know, are they losing a trade or winning a trade? And honestly, I've, I've been talking to a couple of guests lately and it's amazing how many trades look really one way. Then six months later or a year later, you're sort of like, that was so stupid. Why did I do that? I've got one trade sort of like that. Not stupid, but just you kind of think differently of it. We'll talk about later. Um, but yeah, I think that's one element of it. And another element is just, you know, one of the best ways to learn and get better is to go back and reflect on what you did. And so whether that be in content creation or playing fantasy football, trading, whatever, it's it's good to go back and sort of say, where did I get it right? What was good about that? And what did I, where did I get it wrong? And, you know, say, hey, I, that was a fault in my process. I should have been better at this or I shouldn't do that again. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're just going to, we've got a couple of trades Matt's brought to the table, a couple of trades I've brought to the table. We're just going to take turns sort of going through the trades, um, talking about them, seeing what we like, what we don't like, and kind of reviewing them if you, if you will, and seeing, would we, would we do that trade again? Um, if we were to have it on the trade block or on, on the, in the table there today. Um, so yeah, we're just going to get straight into that here. Cause I don't want to take too much of Matt's birthday up here. <laughs> Let's make a deal. Sold your ways. All right. So guess first, I'm going to throw it over to, to Matt. Matt, what's a trade that you've done in the last sort of year or so that you're going to kind of reflect on and see what you think of now? Well, I think it's important first, before we get into the actual trades, discuss what we're doing when we're trading. I mean, you need to identify who you are and where you are in your season. And if you if you don't know whether you're a contender or not, chances are, you're probably not a contender. And let's be honest, if you're not top one, top two, top three, and how do you determine if you're a contender? Forget about your head-to-head -head record. That means absolutely nothing to me. That is so, forget about that. Focus on that all-play record. Focus on those points four. That'll kind of determine if you're top two, top three in your league. If you fall into that top two, top three in your league, then you're going out there and you're going to get yourself some proven dynasty assets that are going to help you win now. If you're not in that, Get in that rebuild now. There's nothing worse than being stuck in fantasy football purgatory in that four, five, six range where you're just getting in the playoffs, but you're too good to basically miss the playoffs. You're too good to get good draft capital, but you're too bad to do anything. So that's the first thing you need to identify. So when we go into these trades, it's important to know where we stand within our league. And for me, this first trade off the get-go, uh, for mine, is a, a trade in which I feel very comfortable with myself. I'm a contender here right away. I don't care about late draft picks. Third, fourth round draft picks, I don't care. There's not very often which they're going to hit. So recently I made a trade here 
to get my boy there, Russell Gage. I love myself some Russell Gage, especially with the fact that Chris Godwin is going to be missing some time. I think he had his ACL in, uh, surgery back in, um, I think, nine months. Sorry, let me rewind this. I think nine months will be October from when he had his surgery. And then you're looking at another month, maybe a month and a half, until he gets himself back up to full speed. So what does that mean? That means Russell Gage is going to slide in there very nicely for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. Handpicked by Tom Brady. I feel really good about what Russell Wilson's going to do. We've seen Antonio Brown, what he could do. We've seen what Chris Godwin could do with Mike Evans there. Russell Gage in Atlanta was a dang near 30, uh, dang near a 1,000 yard receiver last year. So I feel really good about that. And what it cost me, 308 and 410, which turned out to be Hassan Haskins and Sam Howell. I feel very good about that. I'm not rebuilding, I'm contending. I don't need. Uh, potential running back there in Hassan Haskins. Could he turn out to be good? Absolutely. That's what we're talking about these dynasty trades. Haskins could be the uh, heir apparent to Derrick Henry at some point. We don't know what that's going to be. That's the uncertainty. Give me the guarantee of what Russell Gage is going to do next year for my fantasy roster in this situation. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I like that trade a lot. I think that you're right. Russell Gage is one of those interesting guys because he's just always he's he, people have kind of already made up their minds about him, haven't they? Like he's just a dude, he's just a guy, and so you're able to get that sort of discount. You're able to get it for cheaper than you probably should be able to, especially like you mentioned. And that's one thing I really love doing. Actually, I love going back, and I'll actually bring this up in a couple of trades here where you trade for a first or a second, you have no idea, and then when you go back and actually find out, not only where did that first or second end up, but also who did that play. You put a player to that pick that nameless pick and then it makes sometimes it makes you feel a lot more sad about the trade and then other times you feel really good about it like in your case you're like oh Hassan Haskins yeah could be a dude we don't know it's probably a slow burner you're a contender you need the juice right now um Sam Howell poor guy you know he got drafted behind Bailey Zappi I mean it's a it's a it's going to be a long slog for him to be relevant at all so absolutely makes a lot of sense um you know, so the first trade I brought here, so it's it's a okay. So I did this trade last October. Um, it's a sixteen team super flex tight end premium, full IDP, fifty three man roster. In case I need to explain this anymore, it's a ridiculous league. It's insane. So um, yeah, we're starting like twenty two players every week or something. Each team is so it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and I traded, so I received T Higgins. I gave away Geno Smith, and this is when Russell Wilson was injured. So Geno was the starting quarterback for the for the Seahawks. Denzel Mims, Michael Carter, who at the time was doing really well, the running back for the Jets, and a 23 um, third. So I think the interesting thing, the reason I brought this trade up is because at this now, right now, I think most people would probably be like, oh, it's a smash accept. Of course you want T Higgins. Of course you don't care about getting rid of those guys. But go back into October of last year, Michael Carter's doing really well. It's a 16-team league, so getting starting running backs that are actually productive is very difficult to do. Um, and T. Higgins was struggling a little bit. That was that time when everybody's like, it's the Jamar Chase show. T. Higgins doesn't matter anymore. He's irrelevant. Um, so there was actually, at the time, I was really like, oh, I really want to do this, but I'm really worried about losing Michael Carter. I remember going back and forth with myself and being like, should I get rid of Michael Carter? I really like Michael Carter. He was one of my favorite running backs in this class. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But I really like T. Higgins, and I eventually went for it because my sort of belief system, if you like, or my sort of one of my mantras is like, you know, you build around your wide receivers, you build around your young studly wide receivers, and then you can find running backs as and when you need to. And now when I reflect on it, my take is, you know, Michael Carter was a fourth round or whatever running back and he got replaced the very next year. And whenever you get these running backs, 
third, fourth round, fifth round undrafted guys, it can hurt at the time to give up on that value, but to get yourself into a second round or a first round, like wide receiver, somebody like that, that's young, that's up and coming is probably the smart move nine out of 10 times for your dynasty roster. So that's something that I think I'm going to try and take away from this is that if, you know, one of these like, uh, Pierre Strong Jr. or something like that hits the ground running a little bit, get a little bit of juice, and you're excited. Still don't worry about necessarily packaging them up and moving them off if you can get, you know, Jameson Williams in return or something like that. You know, I mean, that's just a theoretical, but those are one of the things that I'm looking at when I look at this trade. Do you have any thoughts on it, Matt? Is there anything that jumps out at you? Anything that you're looking at differently than the way I've sort of talked it through? I've always been of the montage. You'll see a little bit later with the trades. You draft running backs, you trade for wide receivers. You don't trade for running backs because basically it's like renting a car or going to a car dealership and buying a car. As soon as that running back comes off the lot, he's already being devalued. That's just how it goes at the running back position. Now, we did not see, there's no one that could have predicted that the Jets would have Brees Hall fall into their lap in this past draft. So, I, for one, was not expecting Michael Carter to be replaced as quickly as he is. I don't think he's going to be discarded here in 2022 right off the get-go. I think you're going to see a split situation between Brees Hall and Michael Carter because we've seen what Michael Carter did with Javante Williams, whose name will come up multiple times when we talk about trades. At North Carolina, Michael Carter was able to post back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing seasons with Javante Williams in the lineup. Now, I'm not going to say Brees Hall and Michael Carter are both going to run for a thousand yards for the New York Jets because that strength of schedule for the Jets is absolutely horrible. But I mean, I could see why you'd want to hang on to Michael Carter at the time. But T. Higgins is a different dog altogether. He is a bad, bad man when it comes to fantasy football and the National Football League. You've got him out there with Jamar Chase. So you know Chase is going to pull that attention all the time. You've got him married to a top end quarterback. For me, again, even then, even if I didn't want to let go of Michael Carter, Denzel Mims, you know, he's broken a lot of hearts. This is He's one of those reasons, him and Corey Coleman, why you don't trust Baylor Bear wide receivers. Geno Smith is just another guy. Will he start this year? Will he not? I don't know. He's competing against Drew Locke. It doesn't matter. It's a bad situation there as well. So, yeah, for me, this is turning into T. Higgins for Michael Carter. And I know in 16 team leagues, you want that depth, but I don't think you were giving up much depth here. So, for me... Yeah, I like this T. Higgins here, no doubt. Even back then, I think it would have been a smash except for me. Like I said, I think that you know now it feels really nice, and you're like, oh, that's great to have T. Higgins on your roster because a lot of people have him as like a top 12 dynasty wide receiver now or at least in the teens somewhere. But at the time, like I said, it was having to trust your process a little bit. And at the time, it felt like a little bit of a scary trade because Michael Carter was killing it and running backs are hard to come by in a 16-team league, and T. Higgins was struggling a little bit, but I knew I believed in T. Higgins, and I believed in the talent, and sort of you just sort of have to follow your process at times a little bit, not blindly, but you have to trust it before it becomes, because if you waited even till the end of the season to try to make that deal, it wasn't going to happen. You're going to have to add a lot more onto your side to get T. Higgins. Um, so I, I really like the way it worked out, but it was scary at the time, um, and again, that's just something that I think you can learn from, but what do you, what's your next trade you got for us here? Yeah, this goes back to one of those situations here. I traded Michael Carter again. Uh, again, goes <laughs> back Michael to Carter. my whole. Goes back to my whole. I go out and I trade for wide receivers. I draft running backs, and this is kind of what helped me here because I had drafted Ramondre Stevenson. I had drafted Michael Carter. I already had Brees Hall kind of in my back pocket. He was still at, at Iowa State at this time, so we can't connect him with the the New York Jets. This is a Devi league here. 
So I traded Carter, I traded Ramondre Stevenson, and I traded Chris Olave. And this is when we're talking about contender versus pretender, and you want to make that move, you want to go for it. And I thought to myself, you know what, let's go for it. I know I'm giving up Michael Carter, who is looking good right now. I know Chris Olave is going to be a stud at some point. Ramondre Stevenson, he could be the guy in New England at some point, but I don't think they want to give up on Damian Harris. So I'm feeling I'm giving up a lot. What am I acquiring? Well, I went out there and I got myself Stefan Diggs, who at the time is struggling. He is not that big end guy. He's not putting up 2020 numbers. And then I also got Cortland Sutton, who I also know was struggling there, especially when Jerry Judy comes in. The Jerry Judy factor is very, very strong when it comes to Cortland Sutton last year in fantasy. But I also kept my eye on the future of this trade too, because I wanted to make sure I'm going to contend. I don't know what Michael Carter's status is going to be come the draft time. I think he's, I felt like he was going to be good. I didn't expect Brees Hall to be there, but I knew I had depth still in my stable at the running back position, which made Michael Carter and Ramondre Stevenson expendable. I also knew that my wide receivers right now were not the strongest. So that's why I needed, I felt the need to go out there and get Cortland Sutton and Stefan Diggs and Chris Luve. As much as we want to tout him as maybe the best pure wide receiver in this class, we haven't seen it yet. We can't count on it. OTAs, he's absolutely crushing it there. Jarvis Landry, we've now seen come in there as well. We don't know the Michael uh, Michael Thomas situation there in New, uh, New Orleans either. So a lot of questions here, but right out, this is Chris Olave of the Ohio State Buckeyes. So we don't know how these Debbie picks are going to turn out. I know I was giving up a lot, but I felt comfortable with what I was returning as my team was a contender right now. And it turns out we lost in the finals. Yeah, that is the tough part, isn't it? Because I've had that happen a couple of times where you sort of go all in, you push your chips in the middle of the table because you're making a run and then you get to the finals and, you know, it's it's a lot more luck of the draw once you make it that far. It's sort of anything can happen on the day. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a really interesting trade because it really does pull up a lot of the kind of classic dynasty debates, really, like of, you know, do you... Do you go all in? Do you wait? Do you build with youth? Do you go for out? You know, it's a lot going on. And when we really start breaking it down again, we talked about Michael Carter a little bit. So I think that the wisdom now in hindsight is like, hey, he's a fourth round draft pick. Not saying he will get replaced, but it's a lot easier to replace somebody who's a fourth or fifth round draft pick, no matter how good they do. Um, and then you go to Ramondi Stevenson, very similar. He's He did really well last year. But again, they've just brought in two or three more guys. They've got a whole bevy of running backs. So Ramondi Stevenson, I like. Michael Carter, I like. But they're very replaceable level values um, that you can get off the street, maybe if you're playing the waiver wire or if you're willing to throw out a, a second or third round pick, you can get a player that probably will give you the same production so like you said it really comes down to like more or less chris alave for stefan diggs and Cortland sutton now Cortland sutton didn't work out last year but there's a good chance that things will come first full circle now with russell wilson in town which is again it's one of those things like we said this nobody knew that you couldn't have told, if you told me last year oh yeah categorically russell wilson will be a denver bronco i'd have been like yeah okay right whatever <laughs> you know like whatever you say buddy um same as if you told me Devonte adams was going to be a raider i'd have been like right sure okay whatever you say you know it just didn't seem like it would really happen so that's another fascinating twist and turn of this and the nice thing is though yes they're both veterans but you didn't it wasn't like you traded them for like Julio and somebody else who's like on their last legs. You know what I mean? You're still going to get a couple years of Stefan Diggs, you know, being a really good wide receiver. You could potentially still get a couple of years, solid years of Cortland Sutton if he does, you know, turn it around a little bit with Russell Wilson here. So how do you feel now sitting in the, in the, you know, in, in the kind of like rearview mirror looking at it a year later, 
you know you lost in the final. Do you still feel like if you went back, would you do the t- deal again, or do you feel like a little bit differently about it? I would definitely make this deal again. I mean, I I, I would love to keep Chris Aluve on my roster. It's that simple. I'd love to still have him here, but I trust my research, my Devi ability here as well. When I look at these classes coming up, classes that have come and gone, we can't guarantee any of these players moving forward out of college. I mean, we've seen it. You'll see another trade I made here. Uh, when it comes to the Debbie situation. But we also knew when I made this trade, I actually insist on Cortland Sutton being part of this trade coming back. I had some guys who were doing a little bit better, but the quarterback situation moving forward was probably not the greatest, where they had aging vet quarterbacks that you knew were going to stay on that team. We all knew Drew Locke was not going to be the answer in Denver. We know Denver has been flirting with other quarterbacks the last couple seasons. We know that they're not afraid to pull a trigger and bring a guy in. So for me, I was betting, I was gambling that Cortland Sutton was going to have a new quarterback. I didn't think it was going to be Russell Wilson, but we knew there'd be a big-time quarterback coming to Denver at some point here in the next year or two, and that's what I was banking on when I made this trade, when I asked for Cortland Sutton to be added into this, other than maybe some other receivers that were on the table. Yeah, see, and that's really, I'm again, I'm going to just pause before we move on there, because I think that's another point that hopefully people are learning from this or picking up from this, is when you start trading in Dynasty, those are the kind of little nuances that you don't think about when you're trading in Redraft. You're only concerned with this year, whereas Dynasty, you're always got half an eye on next year or down the road. What's this? What's the impact for my roster? What's the impact for this player? And we don't know all the answers. Like you said, we didn't know it was going to be Russell Wilson, but you had a fairly good idea. It wasn't going to be Drew Locke. And you thought, well, we know what Drew Locke is. It's probably not going to be worse. And there's a good chance it'll be quite a lot better because you looked at the roster, the Denver Broncos had assembled and you thought this is a good roster. They've got a lot of solid pieces on defense, a lot of solid pieces on offense. They're an ambitious team and 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 city they're going to want to get back in the spotlight they're not going to be happy with just sitting around sucking all the time so again that's a really smart calculated risk because i actually brought this up a couple of episodes ago with somebody one of my guests and it was we were talking about alan robinson and we were like man i can't wait to hear the stories in like the middle of the season when alan robinson is like smashing when people are like yeah i got him for like a 23 third or something like that because people were sick sore and tired of having Allen Robinson on their squads. They were like, man, he's old and he's busted and he's lit. You know, he sucks. Let's get this guy out of here. And you, you know, smart managers went in and took advantage of that, you know, and got themselves some Allen Robinson, got themselves some Cortland Sutton really cheap. So I, I like that. I think that was really shrewd. And I love that kind of mindset where you're thinking, maybe two steps ahead and people don't even realize that sometimes you don't realize that for six months or a year down the road um you know something sort of similar like i was last year somebody dropped dj chark when he got injured because it'd been like kind of a year and a half of just disappointment and frustration or whatever i picked him up for free off the waivers and just stashed him on the ir he signs with detroit so before the draft everyone's kind of like oh maybe he's gonna be something and this is good and i just used him to help me move up in the draft so i went from like the 111 up to like the 107 or something like that just cost me dj chark who had basically picked up for free off the waiver wire so it's those kind of moves that you know don't seem like anything at the time but if you're paying attention and you're thinking ahead and you're realizing this guy's going to be a free agent or this quarterback situation is going to change you can really 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 make a lot of money in dynasty that way moving on then to my next trade so this is a 10 team so it's a much smaller league 10 team super flex tight end premium and this happened last october as well i gave up dalvin cook who was doing really well at the time and i got back javante williams javante bay williams i call him because i love him so much and i got a 22 first 
Now, the interesting thing was, personally, I was happy with that return in and of itself, no matter where that first may land. I actually thought the guy that I traded it to, I thought he had a pretty good squad and I thought he was going to be a contender. He was probably going to get into the playoffs. So I figured it was probably going to be a late first. I was still fine with it. I was happy enough with it. Turns out as as fate would have it, that his team kind of fell apart as the season went along. This ended up being the 102. So, and the guy who had the 101 ended up taking Kenneth Walker. So basically, last year, I traded away Dalvin Cook for Javante Williams and Brees Hall. So I'm really happy with that. And obviously, it's easy to sit now and say, well, yeah, okay, of course, you're going to want to do that. But that just goes to what, what I, the reason I threw this in, there's not just to like victory lap and say, how smart am I? I had no idea. I thought that was going to be the 108, 109, 110, maybe. Um, but when you're trading for picks, always be careful because yes, it worked in my favor this time, but actually I have another league where something similar happened. I kind of I had two first. One was mine. One was the other guys. And I thought, oh, I'm sure mine, mine's going to be later. I'll trade away mine and I'll bet on myself sort of thing. Sure enough, I ended up losing more and my first would have been a better first to keep hold of. So you just got to be careful because I hear all the time, one of the things I always hear, especially from people newer to Dynasty is like, oh, it's going to be a late first or it's going to be an early first. We don't know. We can assume, we can kind of project and you can kind of make these ideas, but be careful about too, putting too many eggs in that basket of saying this is going to, unless it's like one game from the end of the season and you know that it's going to be a late first or whatever, but just be careful about saying, oh, my team's really good. Injuries happen all the time. Uh, teams underperform all the time. It happens. So just be careful about that. But those are my main, sort of main takeaways from that trade. That's why I sort of brought it up. Did you have anything else that you wanted to sort of point out or say in about that trade before we move on to your trade, Matt? Yeah, for me, I, I would have smashed accepted this year. I would have taken Javante Williams over Delvin Cook to begin with, just because we know when those second year, con those second contracts come for running backs. We can expect those the tread on tire to kind of be a little bit balder. We know they're going to go through things. If you look at Delvin Cook's injury history, by the way, you can head over to the Vipers uh, website there. I did a whole injury risk management kind of article, and I looked at all the injuries that Delvin Cook has had. And the one that really stands out two times in college and at least twice in the pros, the shoulder injuries, the AC joint, that kind of stuff. While a running back is getting hit all the time, there's a good chance at some point this next season or even the season after 2023, Delvin Cook is going to suffer get a shoulder injury. So for me, I'm all about Javante Williams. And this could have easily turned into, it's Brees Hall, so it looks great for you right now. But I would have been okay if that 108 would have been Jamison Williams. Like you said, that pick could have been a little bit later. I would have been okay and comfortable. There was 10 players in this year's draft that I'm okay with for fantasy. So I think getting that extra guy over and above Javante Williams is an absolute bonus. Yeah, and, and that's another great point that you bring up. And it's something that um, I was just talking to uh, Rich Dotson from Dynasty Nerds the other day. And we were saying that about how with running backs, it's one of the hardest transitions, I think, mentally for people when they come from redraft and they move into Dynasty is to stop like valuing running backs as highly as they do and kind of like trying to build around them and trying to hold on to them for too long or trying to, you know what I mean? You have to realize that most running backs, it is that first contract that you really want them on. And once they move on to a second contract, if you can still get top dollar for them, you're better to be an early a year early than a year late because once they fall off that cliff, man, that cliff hits hard. And I've said this before, I'll say it again, I'll keep saying it. I went back and looked at, and this is not 10 years ago. I went and looked at a startup that we did probably just two or three seasons ago, not that long ago at all in Dynasty. And the first two rounds, there was Todd Gurley. There was David Johnson. There was Lev Bell. And you can't find, all those guys are on the waiver wire. Half those guys aren't even in the league anymore. 
you know, but they were top two round startup picks. And that's why, you know, you've got to just, I think you got to hold running backs in dynasty at the very loose hand and be willing to move off any of them for the right price. You know, so that, that would be sort of another little takeaway that I would have for it that kind of sparked when you were saying that folks, we are just going to chop it there. Just want to keep it nice and short, easy to digest. We talked about a lot of trades. We talked about a lot of dynasty trade theory. So maybe a good time to reflect on that. Think about it. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed that episode. There is part two later this week. So definitely come back for that again, as I said, said if you're enjoying the show please 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 subscribe and rate and review if you can it's really helpful i really appreciate it and again reach out let me know what you're liking let me know what you're not liking let me know what you would like to hear more of on the show or even send in some of your own trades that you've done recently or trades you're considering if you want some advice or feedback on them enjoy those trades and come back later for part two of this episode later in the week I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver ran, it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said and listen to me. What you really wanna do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a Dynasty debate.